I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they show it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Welcome into a Ryan Talbot list episode of Shout, a Buffalo football podcast. We went to the bullpen, if you will. Uh, I got uh, my good buddy Dan Fates uh, from Buffalo Plus. Is that the lefty? We bring the lefty out of the bullpen, Dan. Mirror. It's the mirror camera. It's it's gotcha. righty. It's the righty. Okay. Okay, that's fair. Does a great job on the Buffalo Plus uh, YouTube page. Uh, their podcast, Jenna Cottrell, uh, Mike Catalana. Uh, they crush it. I get to see their beautiful faces once or twice a week during the season. <laughs> You know, we got a little hardware that we got to kind of show off here on today's episode. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. I was going to say, uh, you're, you're listing the the introductions, and then we're going to say golf buddies, cart buddies, <laughs> what championship buddies. golfers, I, I think is how we could also be described as. So, yeah, we're going to – let me set this up a little bit. So, um, I've been meaning to have Dan on since we played uh, a round of golf at Cloverbank Country Club uh, about a month ago. Um and we're going to take you through the whole day, the event, kind of like what it was like. Our pairing was with, and every year we go to the Buffalo uh, Bills Media Golf Tournament, and you don't know who you're going to play with until you show up. And Dan and I, you know, show up to the course, see our names on the same cart, uh, and then realize that we're playing with Brandon Bean, uh, Kevin Megank, uh from the Bills. And so um, we're going to take you through what that whole experience is like, how we won the championship. Uh, and we're going to get into all of that. We're also going to talk a little bills because that's what we do yeah. for a living. Um, I, I set it up here. I didn't even tell you you're a pro. I know, I know it, you can handle things on the fly. I want to talk about what is the one or two big questions that we're sitting here trying to answer as we are a month out from training camp when it comes to the bills, a lot of action the last couple of weeks, yeah. some stuff we can get into on the other side, but man, how does it feel to be a champ? Let's start there. Nope. Oh, and also, I'm I'm really glad that I'm going at Photoshop because I had to leave to actually go and cover a playoff hockey game. The Amherst were in uh, the North Division Finals, so I, Mike, Jenna, and myself, we all had to leave. But we we had finished early, and we had kind of known that we had a good chance of winning. Um, I don't know how much you've talked about like to other people that like Bean is just one of the most competitive golfers I've ever mm. been on the course with. It was like we were playing with a PGA Tour pro or like a caddy. Like every single shot, my friends were asking about it. I go, there was never a time when it was like, hey, yeah, just go up there and hit it. He'd be like, hang on, Dan, Matt, all right. It's like 167, but you're going to play it like it's 170 because you're going to catch it a little fly. It's going to come out a little thin out of this rough. All right, now I want you to aim for the middle of the green and put it on there, man. All right, and you're like, you got it, coach. 
And that, that was it. I can't do that. I can't do like, that. Dude. I was like, I'm going to try and hit it and hope it goes in the vicinity of the flag. Like, but Bean is just, he was that guy that again, I always thought it was funny. He's, he's a really good golfer. And then whenever anybody would come up to us and ask what our score was, he'd be like, guys, don't, guys, don't, don't tell him what we're at. Don't, don't tell him. Like, don't, he'd be just going, we're, we're doing all right. Because he didn't want anybody to know. Like, that is how <laughs> competitive he was. And we come out to find out later, Matt, that he's, on his phone, most not most of the time, but he was on his phone a decent amount. Leonard Floyd gets signed what mm. two days later? Yeah, things things like that were happening. So he was also making deals as we were. What did we shoot nine under on a, nine on a best ball? A little scramble. Score. Yeah. yeah, and we were worried about that nine under, like getting to the clubhouse. I mean, he was telling people as late as like fourteen that we were two under, trying to like you know make everybody feel like they had a chance. But to your point, he was – it was a lot of fun to play with him. And I will say, as great. somebody who was not a great golfer, going to the course that day, when I saw that we were playing with him, I was super um, worried about how the round was going to go because I didn't want to be the reason that the team kind of just stunk. And I thought that there was a really good chance that it could be. But it was crazy. I felt like it was an out-of-body experience. Like, my drives were going straight. I was hitting birdies. I was I was putting my my butt off, which actually that carried on. I played a scramble with Sal, Thad, and John Scott um, a couple weeks later, and I was still hitting putts. So that has not gone away. But to your point, I don't think I would have been hitting those putts without being reading the greens the way that he did. He was like an expert caddy. An expert, like he was telling yeah. me where to go and how to where to hit it, and it was just going in. Like again, a lot of these times you're there. People are having some beverages and you're just there to have fun. Like there was no, it was fun, but our goal was there was to hit birdies. Like it was, right. we had like four pars in a row and Bean like gave us like a pep talk. Like, come on guys, we got, Hey, we got to get some birdies here. We got to find some birdies. Like every single time I show up, Perino goes, I haven't golfed all this year. I'm terrible. <laughs> and I, you won't, you won't, but I'll, I'll say it for you. Hit probably three drives, at least three bills. You you had a couple of them <laughs> that he'd hit and then just looked at me and goes, I am crushing the ball. The ball is like still on its way up. And Burrito's like, I am just crushing the ball. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, man, I'm watching it. This is awesome. It was great. It was a lot of fun. Again, I was with you too, because you also like being was so serious that like you didn't want to be the the one that looked stupid golfing with him who was so dialed in. Right. And like, he also like, he won it in 19 and I had watched him with Jay at the party mm -hmm. afterwards. Like when we got to like, hang out, have some beers, you know, just shoot the breeze. And he was wearing that championship with Skursky at the after party. Like he was strutting around that thing. And like, I knew that had we not won it, there would have been a certain sense of irritation, maybe for lack of a better term. At us. Yeah. Oh, for sure at us. For sure at us. And like, that's just part of the pressure that comes with playing with him. Now he's competitive. He's, he's a good dude. I'm not trying to throw being under the bus here, but I will say if you go back to last year's tournament, which Nate Geary won with, I believe Feldman and yep. then a couple of ringers, I think it was Matt Barkley and, and somebody else yeah. from the training staff being did not hang around that post match party too long. Right out. No, it was funny. Cause like McDermott, was in front of us. Catalana was in front of us. And again, they were more of the let's have fun out there. John Scott was also in that group, I think. And, but Bean was, like I said, 
I was talking to one of the guys, the PR guys, and I was like, how did I get paired with Bean? Like, what, <laughs> what are we doing here? And he goes, because I, he goes, hey, I ran all of like, I made sure that Bean was okay with his group. And he, the only text back he said was, he goes, can any of these guys play? Like, it wasn't like, great, can't wait to be with Matt and Dan. It was, hey, can any of these guys win? Because that was the most important thing on Bean's mind, which I totally respected. Yeah, and like what's funny too from 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 our perspective is we went in and I had known a couple guys on the beat, gals on the beat that had played with you before and your reputation preceded you. Everybody said, "Oh yeah, you're in good hands with Fates." You struggled a little bit coming out of the box. So like, yeah. We could have been in a really bad place if I played my usual brand of call because we would have been really Now, you hit some shots down the stretch, dude. They were Kevin did too. Like, correct really huge team effort type shots that like I, I had a couple good hits. I had a couple good putts, but I think that the strength of the team was that everybody really pitched in by the end. And I think it all kind of equaled out. Well, and it's all funny, three of us a, and then being in his own category. Yeah. And, and I think we all, anybody that's been a part of a scramble, like the order is also important. So like right. you went first, then Kevin, then me, th then Bean. And Bean would be like, come on guys. Like I need a ball in the fairway before I get up to tee off. Like he would kind of needle, like he was, he, he gave it to us too. Like, but it was all good fun. And again, it was that perfect balance. And again, I don't know. It was, it was fun. And like I said, we didn't really talk. I know everybody's gonna be like, well, what'd you talk about? Like we didn't, Matt, you and me talked more football in the cart than like the four of us did. Like it was right. really more of like I was I was interested because I had heard through the Greenlight podcast that Bean had started his football career on the PR side. And mm -hmm. he said that he, he has a, a communications degree in school. He thought he was originally going to be a teacher, then got a communications degree, started at um went to went to a training camp, I think it was Carolina, and was on the PR side. And then right. weaseled his way, he said, into the football side of an internship. So it was kind of cool to get that. Like, again, those aren't conversations that you don't usually get to have with the GM of a football team. And, it's so, you know, instead of sitting there going like, so what do you think about Gabe this year? It was more of, hey, man, like, do you ever get to put your phone down? And he's like, rarely. Like, I try to, but it's tough. And, and just kind of those conversations. I, I, don't know, I had a good time. I thought it was more laid back than I was hoping. And I thought that was a good thing. Yeah. And the conversations were, you know, mostly more personal side, like getting to know yep. you, like you know, away from the business of all. We, we, we spend 364 days, you know, chasing stories. He's building a roster, like everybody on both sides has their jobs to do. And I think that's just kind of a cool day to, you know, kind of realize that the people on the other side of the podium or, you know, depending on where you sit, you know, they're, they're human beings, right. And they're, they have real lives. And, um, I think that we do a really good job. I'm speaking for the most part uh, on both sides of things at, at handling things in a professional way, but it is a, you know, it's an interesting dynamic because the, the, it, there's a, there's a push and pull here. There's this side of things on the bills end where they want to kind of keep things in house. We've seen it more yep. than ever over the last couple of weeks and we're in the information business. So we're constantly trying to extract a lot of this. I see some comments in and here. entertainment. Yes. And you know, yes. and I think that's part of it too. And I don't know if you saw this, but it was right after the Stanley Cup. I believe it was the Florida Panthers head coach was getting interviewed at the end of like the, the season wrapping up. And the Florida Panthers' son is the minor league affiliates play by play guy. Hmm. And the person asked, like, hey, with your son now in the media field, do you treat us in the media differently? And he's like, 100%. Like, right. he now understands that like his son has a job. 
He's got to ask tough questions. He's an NHL hockey coach. He's got to answer questions, but like there's never, as long as the questions come across the right way. And like, to your point, Matt, like we are people. And as long as there's a level of respect and not accusatory tones and in, in, in kind of almost sometimes it's like, I don't want anybody to talk down upon me because like, yeah, guess what, Matt? I don't know about you. But I didn't play in the NFL. That doesn't mean that I can't critique players, coaches, decisions that, I've watched enough football and know enough football. You, you too. But I thought it was interesting when like you had actually had an NHL coach being like, yeah, like thinking about a family member that's in the media now, like I don't want to embarrass a media member. I don't want to do that to them any more than they want to do it to us. So I thought that was an interesting thing where you talk about that relationship and that golf is a cool time to get to just be four guys golfing, trying to hit birdies. Yeah. It, it was it was a super fun day. Some comments in the in in the YouTube side. Hit that like button, subscribe as well. Um, it is two worlds colliding, right? I mean, you guys have done an awesome job building the Buffalo Plus YouTube page, the podcast over there. Appreciate doing it. it. I feel like you look across the landscape, and I don't know if there's a fan base that's that that is more um, richer in content options than in this fan base. What's it been like? Because I we talk a lot about it on our end, like you know the building shout and both sides of it now kind of getting out into the community and doing more live events and little uh inside scoop here daniel we'll be doing a live event in rochester here coming up next month maybe we gotta get the buffalo plus team out have a little fun party have a couple pops have a couple wings just throwing it out there uh that'd be great yeah and i i was just with your uh your buddy and and friend and co-worker peter i was on his podcast and built in buffalo yesterday like and I don't see any, it's competitiveness in like the best way. Like, I also think that, you know, a high tide raises all boats here. Like there is areas for everybody to, to do this. I, you know, you look at all of the different landscapes and again, I can't name all of them, but whether it's um, cover one or all these things and you guys and, and everybody has this and there is such an audience for it and everybody kind of does it in a different way. So you kind of get to dip your toe into what you want. So I think it's competitive, but like, Anytime I get asked to be on a podcast, like I'm kind of honored because that means it's like somebody cares about what I have to say, which exactly to my wife that I'm always on Twitter and on my phone is like, what are you doing? And it's like, it's kind of my job. Like, I appreciate this. So like, it's cool to come on here. And like I said, it's funny that somebody says, wow, Matt and Dan together. It's like, yeah, we talk like pretty much every week. And when we go on the road trips together, like we hang out and like, we, we, like I said, I mean, I also go back to like Cincinnati. Like there's another time that we were there in Cincinnati outside of the hospital together. Like mm-hmm. what are, you know, kind of bouncing things off of each other. Like, what are you hearing? What's going on? Like, so like there is that absolute competitiveness, but I joke around with Jenna and Mike, my coworkers at 13 Wham. Like I'm competitive with them. Like I want to do a better story than Jenna. I want to have a better podcast than you. You want to have a better podcast than me. Like that's what, that's what it is. Like we want to do more live shows because your guys live shows are kicking ass like it's so cool to, to see that so i i think it's awesome that dynamic and like i said it was so funny being on peter's podcast yesterday with built in buffalo um been on a couple other ones it's it's i don't know i i, I think there's i think there's an audience for it i think there's an appetite for it and it's more the merrier to me without a doubt man it's um i i think that just getting you get almost like a little bit of your appetite um satisfied with each different experience right everybody offers a different flavor the dynamics between the groups are all different i I think as well um i wouldn't have a podcast as popular as 
it is without Ryan. And so having him not here tonight um, is kind of funny. Uh, but I've actually been doing we're, – we're going on vacation next week, as I'm sure most uh, on the BDAR. And so we've been – I've been crushing. I've recorded a bunch of pods. I recorded one with Marcel. I recorded mm-hmm. one with um, Jeremy White and Joe Marino that will come out next week, which was awesome. I could, I could give fans a little little touch of this, I, I think. I, I, could, I, could, I could spoil it. It's coming out next Wednesday. We did – an AFC East player only snake fantasy draft in an Ooh. effort to find what is actually the strongest AFC East roster. And so huh. we did this over the course of like two weeks via, via group text and we landed on it and um, we had a 40 minute podcast discussing the process that we all had going through it. And then our takes on, who has the best roster in the AFC. And that comes out next Wednesday. I'm so excited for that. Oh, that's um, awesome. It's really cool. Um, anyway, but that's what we No, But like, I get it. Cause like, that's also what we're trying to do now as the dead time of the year is you're trying to find ways of creating content. Like Mike and Jen and I, Jen and I just did our travel draft. So Love Mike that. goes to every game. That's my favorite but, episode that you guys do, by the way. So, so Jen and I just did ours and I go, it's, it was kind of funny. It's just like that. It's kind of like, you're also getting feedback from your viewers and your subscribers where people are like, Mike or Jen and I would always talk about the games that we're going to. And people are like, well, how do you decide the games? Like well, we do a draft. We used to just do it in the sports office and people are like, why don't you record it? That'd be funny to watch. So again, everybody's going on vacation. I'm looking forward to, cause I go, I got road trips coming up that I go, I'll be throwing on the shop podcast too. So it, it works out perfectly this time of the year. All right. Uh, last thing on the golf tournament. What was what's going to be your lasting memory from that day? Whether it be a shot that you made, an experience. What to you was like? Oh man, like that's that's always going to be that day to me. I left every putt four feet short, and Bean made some <laughs> funny comments. <laughs> Perino knows what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, Bean had a couple. Bean had a couple of one liners that I didn't expect that really made me laugh. And I'm not talking about, Oh, the GM of the bills cracked a joke. So you have to laugh. Like he has, he has some couple of witty lines that I did not see coming. So again, getting to see being not on a football field. Cause like I said, I had played in the event before, but like you said, I hadn't been really to the after party. Cause usually it's in Buffalo. We have to go back to work in Rochester. So I had missed that. So to get to see being, you know, throw some jabs and, and, and kind of, you know, bust some chops I thought was really funny. And that that's, that's what I'll take away from that. Yeah. I think like, I'll just remember like this, this look that just was on beans face because you mentioned it when we started the round, I said, I told all of you guys, I'm like, I've not yep. been out one single time this year. And so he kind of joked like, Oh, this is going to be either really good or really, really bad. <laughs> and I always thought it was going to be the latter. And after a drive or two, and I think after like my third birdie putt or whatever it ended mm-hmm. up being, I just looked back and there was just like this, you know, the meme of uh, Jack Nicholson. I think it's from anger management where he's like, yes, like that was the face that Bean was making as we were kind of mounting these really good shots. And I'll just I'll remember that face of his from this day for all of time. Bean kept saying the, the, the quote he gave to you all the time was you're coachable. He goes, Perino yes. is coachable. And I thought yes. that was the classic line of, yeah, he goes, your putts are either really good or really bad. And it was like, yeah, Perino, hit one of your good putts. And then you yeah. sunk like a 35-footer. And it's like, that was the good one. That was great. This is awesome. It was fun. It was a fun time. Uh, 
side note, Bean is an elite golfer. I talked about this already. I think that if he really put his some time in, he can maybe qualify for the senior tour once he reached that yes. age. He that one shot that he hit, I think he hit like a four iron and it was like 170, 180 away, and he put it like 15 feet from the cup. Like, I don't even like dream of those shots. Yeah, he he's one of those guys too. My buddy, my best friend's like a scratch golfer too, and he'll like follow through and like throw the club and then it'll land like 10 feet from the pin. And I'm like, what's wrong? And he's like, I pulled it. And I'm like, that's what you're upset. Like Bean had a little bit of that. Like he would hit it to be like 20 feet and he'd be like, ah, come on, Brandon, better than that. And it's like, what was wrong with that, man? That was <laughs> awesome. Like I would, like you said, I dream of hitting a shot that bad in your eyes. It was a fun day. Like I, I, I'm, I'm glad to hold that trophy. I know you didn't get a chance to, although you took a picture with it before you left. I, you were, I held it before. before yes. I okay. Left. You it was, held it. was one of those things okay. people like you're gonna touch the trophy. I was like, I think we're, I think nine under is pretty safe. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was that was a fun day. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Let's get to some Bill stuff, though, because I want to take advantage of having you on the show for these last 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. So I want to talk about what are the biggest question marks heading towards training camp here, right? There's been so much movement over the last couple of weeks with this team, the whole Stefan Diggs drama, the, mm -hmm. the Sean McDermott all of a sudden hot seat narrative uh, ahead of him getting the contract extension, which reportedly was in the works well before it was announced uh, as a news dump on a Friday here recently. Um, yep. The AFC East, like becoming now this, you know, premier division in the NFL with Miami continuing to send Aaron Rodgers. What to you is that number one storyline, that number one question that you think is burning out there with this team heading towards training camp? Well, I think it's, it's a little bit of a PR move. Obviously, I don't think the digs thing is over. I don't think the pot is boiling anymore. I think it's on simmer, but I don't think it's gone by any means. I think there is absolutely some truth to whatever is going on behind the scenes. And I know you're in the same group as me. Um, this won't go away until we hear from Stefan Diggs, who we right. haven't heard from. And I do feel bad that Josh Allen and Mitch Morris and Von Miller have to speak for him. And I even go back to Isaiah McKenzie at locker cleanout and all these guys having to speak for a captain of the team um, isn't great. So I'll say that. And I know I talked about this on the built in Buffalo podcast yesterday with Peter. So if you listen to both, like pardon me for repeating it, but 
the Sean McDermott narrative is interesting. I think half of it's PR. Um, hey, Diggs drama over here. Everybody look over here. We re-signed our coach and our GM. Like everybody, everything's all fine and dandy. Um, but I don't think, in my opinion, Matt, there's a coach that's under more pressure this season than Sean McDermott. Hmm. I think there's a massive difference, though, between pressure and hot seat. Hot seat means you're on the brink of being fired. Sean McDermott is not on the brink of being fired by any means. But because of the expectations, the roster that is built, and the lack of success in the postseason that the Bills have had recently, he is under a massive amount of pressure to win now. You've moved on from Leslie Frazier. There is now more pressure on you as the defensive coordinator. You could have gone out and hired a defensive somebody to call plays, but you you added that to already your plate of being an NFL head coach. So you have put more on your plate when the expectations have gotten even higher. Maybe not in the national media. Maybe they're not the Super Bowl favorites, but I still think that the pressure, especially around Western New York, is have to at least reach the AFC Championship game, and it's it's kind of getting time to to make the Super Bowl. Like that that's where it seems like. So while I don't think Sean McDermott is in any circumstance of being fired or anything like that, there's a lot of pressure on him to win and win now. And Mike Catalano always jokes around about it was that in the NFL, you know, it's a it's a one week at a time league. It's one game at a time. It is win or panic in the NFL. Like that is what that is how locker rooms handle each week. And fan bases handle it that way. So I look at Sean McDermott and some of the the magnitude and what he's added to his shoulders um, and the pressure is is, is massive to me. So I, I think that I don't think he's going to be fired by any means, but I don't see an NFL coach that has more pressure than him. I got a Sean McDermott take that I'm going to trot out here uh, shortly. And I can't remember if I said it on a podcast that I was doing or one of my own podcasts. It's been a lot that we've <laughs> talked about, but we'll talk about it. I want to get your take on it. Let's go back to Diggs for a moment, though, because... Mm-hmm. Let's like do like a little bit of a pie exercise. And if we were divvying out slices of pie and percentages, how big of a percentage of the pie when we're talking about whose fault this whole situation is, mm-hmm. where do you kind of land on that? Like when it, whether it's Diggs, Allen, the organization, Bean, McDermott, Dorsey, where do you feel like that pie percentage kind of goes in terms of who's responsible for what ultimately has happened, which we still, to your point earlier, don't fully know what happened. I think the biggest percentage of that pie is, is Sean McDermott. I, I I really, and that's only because I really think he stepped in it that Tuesday at at Bill's minicamp. Um, he didn't have to say what he said. He didn't have to say that he was nervous or that he was, that he was very concerned. Um, and also you were in the room with me and it wasn't until we got done it wasn't until honestly it happened like Wednesday when I was driving back from Buffalo with Jenna and Jenna goes, he seemed looking back on she He goes, McDermott seemed on edge when he came out on Tuesday. Like he just seemed like he, like he was almost coming in hot right from the conversation, whatever conversation he had with Stefan Diggs. And then on Tuesday or on Wednesday, he says, Oh, you know, we had great conversation, but at that point I said, we needed a break and some time apart. Pre note, both of us are very lucky men to be married. I have never spent time with my wife and said, this is great dialogue. Now get away from me and right. leave the house. Right. So some of the things like it just didn't go well. So while I do think issues with Ken Dorsey are a real thing and he deserves a percentage of this, um, the organization deserves a little piece of this because they haven't really squashed it or addressed whatever it was. And this has allowed it to build. But Sean could have came out on Tuesday and said, hey, guys, Steph's here. He's doing all the right things. 
He needs the time. He needs a personal day. I gave it to him. He'll be there tomorrow. And he didn't. And that, I feel like, lit a flame under this fire that has kind of blew, blown it up more than we thought. Like, I, I again, I, I just can't stress enough of how everybody thinks, oh, the media makes things up. You guys are making a bigger deal out of this than it is. We went off of what Sean McDermott told us. And that was what was the most jarring thing that happened at minicamp. And that took over everything. So while I think that this saga could have been maybe taken off the, the stove altogether, um, it wasn't. And I think Sean McDermott has a big part of that. Yeah, I think that um, you're onto something there. And I think, listen, I, I'm not absolving Stefan Diggs from this Absolutely. whole situation and it and it escalated to this point. Like, I think if you, without knowing the details of it, if you went the whole offseason with something so bubbling up so much that you were still so mad about and you waited till mandatory minicamp to drop that bomb, again, we don't know the details. Maybe there were conversations that were had. Josh Allen kind of like slid it in there that he was at his charity event a couple of weeks ago when I remember when that was happening, looking for pictures and not even seeing him in any pictures shared by Diggs or otherwise. So that was news to me. And so you would think if like they met up a couple of weeks ago, maybe started getting to talking, you'd think that everything would be okay by the time they got to the facility. Listen, I shared a, a clip from Robert Griffin III on Rich Eisen, I think it was two weeks ago. And listen, I'm not sitting here saying that I think Robert Griffin III is some elite yep. insider that has knowledge, but something that he said at the end of that interview really resonated with me. And it lined up with something that Josh was talking about. And it went to, when that was happening on the sideline between Diggs and Allen, what was the big picture that was we were left front with? Diggs arms wide, screaming at Allen, and Allen not even recognizing okay. that he was doing anything, wasn't even like addressing him back. And so I'm wondering if the way that the organization handled it from Allen to Dorsey to Bean and McDermott, if that didn't perpetuate this problem over mm -hmm. the offseason thinking, okay, these guys go home, everybody gets away from it, they come back recharged and everything's good. How many times did Bean say that? He said that's his... His usual marching orders to everybody is like, go get away from it, reset, we'll yep. meet back up, and we'll realign. This was a problem that needed more care sooner, and that's on, to your point, McDermott and B. Well, and also, Matt, it wasn't just that game. I mean, and, and the one time we've actually heard from Steph was I think he did the Dan Patrick show during Super Bowl week, and, they, you know, and Dan asked him about that moment, and he goes, that wasn't just the game. That wasn't that drive. That wasn't that play. He goes, it was been leading up for most of the season. And that's when I always go back to when people say, well, the Bills, you know, they averaged the same number of points. And statistically, they averaged the same number of yards and first downs as they did the year before. And it's like, it wasn't. It didn't feel like it, guys. And now you have Steph saying it wasn't just one game that he was frustrated about in Cincinnati, that it was bubbling under the surface. And from what I've heard, it was going on for most of that year. Um, that there was something underneath the surface and whatever that is. And I'm like you, Matt, where once I start to dive into something, I go back and you start to read between the lines and you're trying to filter. About in April when Josh said that he's never been more focused and dedicated to football in his life. And I think we all thought that was a shot kind of to his ex-girlfriend. And we all kind of thought that, oh, that was to her. Maybe that was to Steph. Maybe that was, a, maybe that was telling Steph, I'm here. I'm working. Where are you, man? I don't know. 
but I, I go back and I start to look at all of those conversations and everything that was said in front of the media and who knows what, obviously what was said behind the scenes, but we all thought one thing with the, that, that Alan comment that so many people have latched onto of, wow, he's never been more dedicated and focused to football. Maybe it wasn't about his personal life. Maybe it was more about a teammate. Yeah, no, I mean, that's very perceptive. And I think definitely something that if you go back through this whole off season and listen to the comments at each stage of things from the team, I just don't think they knew how much this was going to carry over. And maybe that was the abruptness. Like, I don't think Sean McDermott entered minicamp, even with Diggs opting out, knowing the storm that was coming. And it's yeah. and and that really played out in how he handled it. And that takes me to the other big question. You mentioned, you know, him being on the hot seat and um, not being on the hot seat, but facing all of this pressure. pressure. You know, I think that is, to me, the biggest thing going into this year is how Sean McDermott is going to handle the national uprise of heat that he's facing now yep. packaged with this whole dig saga with Josh yep. Allen Dorsey. And then this defense better be elite and it better be elite in the playoffs because he's taking it and putting his fingerprints, his stamp of approval on it. It's going to be more aggressive. You know, you're not going to see 10 yards off the line against Kansas city in the playoffs anymore. This like Ben, but don't break Leslie Frazier model that, you know, didn't work in the playoffs. Like I love Leslie Frazier. Like I, I Same. loved every interaction that I ever had with him. Um, I thought he was an excellent coach, great motivator. Everybody I've ever talked to about him said you know, raves about him, but I think that you can poke some holes into the approach they had in the playoffs. And if that means moving in a different direction and finding some success, great. But I think Sean McDermott is with all that said, let me say this. Sean McDermott is exactly where he wants to be. He has all the ammunition to fill oh, yeah. his gun with every single day in that locker room and shoot yeah. off. They don't believe in me. They don't believe in you. We're the underdogs again. Chris Sims is saying we got the third best roster in the AFC East. They're right back at square one like they were in 2017 where they can naturally and realistically build up that nobody believes in us. BS, because that's what I think it is. But listen, teams need it. 100%. I get it. But that's where they're at. And I think Sean McDermott thrives in that spot. And I go back to that. I actually said this on one of the most recent Buffalo Plus podcasts. We were talking about it. You talk about Sean getting back to what he is, right? And I think that's a great point you make of like, he's right where he wants to be. And this is all that he wants. We can't lose sight of what Sean took over when he got here. I mean, a laughing stock team in the NFL and has built mm -hmm. it into a perennial playoff team championship contender. Like that can't be lost when people are like, well, they haven't won. They haven't gone to the Super Bowl. It's like, okay, but again, Look at the big picture, right? But I always talk about this. This digs thing was so unlike anything we have seen in the Sean McDermott era in Buffalo. Drama spilling out into the open. Like, th this just doesn't happen under Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean's watch. And I think this is part of what needs to reset Sean and reset this locker room a little bit. And I mean in the sense of, here's another uh, relationship analogy that, that I've made. When you start dating somebody the first time, you open up car doors, you text them. Good night. You make sure they get, they, uh, you know, do you need anything, babe? Hey, is there anything I can get for you? You do all these sweet little things. Then as the relationship goes on, maybe you don't open the car door every time. Maybe date nights kind of disappear, 
And all of a sudden the relationship isn't as good as what it was. And you're going, why isn't it as good? And you're like, oh yeah, I'm not doing all the little things anymore. Right. And I think this is, can get Sean back to the little things, getting back to that. Like you said, underdog mentality, get back to people. Don't believe in us. Get you back to, Hey, don't lose sight of what got us to being a Super Bowl contending team. It was the little things. It was the 111th. Stefan Diggs is absolutely more than 111th, but you don't go around saying, hey, uh, Steph, you're 311th of this offense. Like it's, it's getting back to what got them there. And I hope that this is part of what it was. Because I remember in 2017 when he came in and it was all those kumbaya campfire talks at training camp. And I was like, this isn't going to work. These are grown men. And it did. And it built a really, really good football team and a really good culture that people wanted to be a part of and players wanted to come to Buffalo, which had never happened before. Get back to that. Get back to what got you there. And I think you're right with this is where he wants to be. My wife's texted me and said that uh, I don't, she doesn't think that I've ever opened a car door for her. Um, <laughs> so thank you, Dan, for getting me in trouble on uh, this Wednesday night. Uh, great conversation. Uh, let's do it again during uh, training camp. Uh, we're going to be on your home turf. Uh, we're going to do yep. a live show. Hopefully we can get you guys out. Uh, get a bunch of the Buffalo media out for uh, where we're all kind of, you know, bunking up together for a couple of weeks uh, right there at St. John Fisher College I know or University. I know you get to go home at night. Yeah. Uh, but we still get, find our way around town, have a good time together. It'll be fun. Let everybody know. They already know, but let them know where they can find your stuff. Yeah, at Dan Fates, at Buffalo Plus, and then uh, Buffalo Plus YouTube channel. Like, comment, subscribe, just like what you guys do for here for the shout. Boom. He's Dan Fates. I'm Matt Perino. We got you covered with many more, many more episodes over the next week. Stay tuned. Take care, everybody. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.